Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Two of the major sections of Parshas Pinchas are A. A new census of the Jewish nation, conducted by Moshe Rabbeinu, and B. The mitzvah to divide the land of Israel, into which the nation would soon enter, into portions that would be inherited by the various shvatim and by the clan groups and individuals within each shevet. These two sections are written, out, are written one following the other. First the census, then the inheritance of the land. There seems to be, however, a fundamental disagreement between Rashi and Ranban about the relationship between these two parshiyos. Let's begin by examining one of the many unusual factors in this census, unlike the others that have been previously been mentioned in the Torah. In Perak Chavvav, Pasuk Hei, the actual counting begins as follows. Reuven Bechor Yisrael the tribe of Reuven, Reuven, who was the firstborn of Yisrael of Yaakov, Bnei Reuven, and the children of Reuven are Chanoich, Mishpachas Chanoichi, Chanoich, the family of Chanoich, Lefalu, Mishpachas Apalawi, Lefalu, the Palu family, Lechetzrein, Mishpachas Achetzreini, to Chetzrein, the Chetzrein family, Lecharmi, Mishpachas Acharmi, to Carmi, the Carmi family, etc., etc., Pekudehem, and their numbers were 40,730. Ranban points out that this census, unlike some of the others, counts not only the number of people in each of the 12 tribes, but also mentions the number of family subgroups within each tribe. Here, Regarding Ruvain, the Torah mentions the Chanoich family, the Palu family, the Karmi family, etc. Ramban explains that this is related to the mitzvah of the inheritance of the land, which, as we mentioned, is written in the Torah immediately following the census. Ramban says that the Torah, by counting family subgroups, is telling us a halacha about the inheritance of the land. Ramban explains this in two possible ways. The first one, which is a little bit complicated, is as follows. That each shevet received an equivalent, an equal-sized portion, which was then divided into sub-portions equivalent to the number of family subgroups. Thus, Ruvain's portion, for example, was divided into four equal-sized portions, one for the Chanoich family, one for the Palu family, one for the Chetzrein family, and one for the Karmi family, even though the families did not have equal populations. Or, the second possibility, which Ranban says he prefers, is that the counting of families means that the division of land was done in a more equal way, but each family subgroup was assigned its own plot where its members could live together. Either way, Ranban seems to be of the opinion that the purpose of this census was to establish who would inherit the land of Israel and exactly how it would be apportioned. Any unusual elements in this census are to be explained according to this fundamental point. Rashi, however, has already explained the purpose of this census in a very different way. 
At the end of the previous parsha, Parsha's Bullock, we read that Bnei Yisrael committed acts of idolatry and immorality with the daughters of Moav, and that 24,000 Jews were killed by Hashem in a plague, in addition to many others who were put to death by judges appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu. In this week's Parsha, the commandment to take the census is prefaced by the following words, And it was after the plague. Rashi explains that this phrase is not merely telling us when the census took place. Rather, it is telling us why Hashem commanded it. And Rashi says, Marshal the Roya Edroi. It is a marshal, it is a parable to a shepherd that some wolves entered into its into his flock, Behen, and the wolves killed some of the sheep. Vuhu and the shepherd Moina Oison Leda Minyan Hanaisores. The shepherd counts them in order to know the number of sheep that are left over. Rashi gives another explanation. When the Bnei Yisrael left Mitzrayim and they were given over to the leadership of Moshe, Nimsru Loi Biminyan, they were given to him with a count. So Achshov Shekarav Lamus, now that Moshe Rabbeinu was approaching his death, and he was approaching the time that he would have to return his flock to his master, Machziren Machziron Beminyan. So he returned them with a count. I believe according to either explanation of Rashi, the point is really the same. Counting the Klal Yisrael is a form of Chiba. It is a way of expressing the love that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has for Klal Yisrael. Either because some of them have just died, but Hashem wants to show His love for those who remain, or because in general, whenever there is a great transition in the life of the Klal Yisrael, they are counted because of they are because they are so dear to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. According to Rashi, the purpose of the census was not, as it was according to Ramban, to establish who would inherit the land. According to Rashi, the census had its own intrinsic purpose, to establish and emphasize and publicize God's love for his people. The fact that the census is followed in the text of the Torah by the inheritance can be explained as follows. These, and only these beloved people, are qualified, quote-unquote, to inherit the land. In accordance with this understanding of the purpose of the census, Rashi explains, very differently than Ranban, why the census focuses on the family subgroups within each Shevet. On the Pasuk that mentions the families of Ruven, Mishpacha Sachanoichi, Mishpacha Sapalui, the Chanoichi, the Chanoich family, the Falu family, Rashi focuses on a different detail of this Pasuk, and that is that the families are not called Mishpachas Chanoich or Mishpachas Palu, which would simply mean the family of Chanoich, the family of Palu, but rather it says Mishpachas HaChanoichi, the Hanochite family, Mishpachas HaPalui, the Paluite family, and so on. Rashi says as follows, Because the nations were denigrating 
Klal Yisrael, Va'imrim, and they were saying the following, what are these people doing, establishing their yichus, their relationship to their shvatim? How can these people be involved in a census in which they have to declare who, which shevet they belong to, which is based on who is your father? Do they think that during the years of slavery in Egypt, the Egyptians did not rule over their mothers? Meaning, do they think that the Egyptians did not take advantage of their mothers? If the Egyptians ruled over their, their own bodies, certainly they ruled over and took advantage of their wives. Anyone who knows the history of slavery in the United States knows that it was very common practice for the slave owner to father children by his female slaves. So people were saying about Kala Yisrael, other nations were saying, who are these people? They think that uh, he's a, a direct descendant of Ruvain, and these people think they are direct descendants, patrilineal descendants of Shimon, and so on. For surely, many of them are actually patrilineally descended from Egyptians. So, in order to quell this Lashon Hara, Lefichach, says Rashi, Hitil HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shmoy Aleihem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed his name upon them. He mitzad zeh, the letter He on one side of the name, V'yud mitzad zeh, and a Yud on the other side. Ha chanoi chi. The He and the Yud are two of the letters of Hashem's name. In fact, Yud and He form their own short name for God. And Rashi is saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wrote the names in this way in order to include His holy name within the name of each family. Loimar, says Rashi, this is meaning to say, Me'idani aleihem shehem b'nei I, Hashem, testify about them that they are in fact the children of their fathers, meaning of their assumed Jewish fathers, and that they are not the progeny of Egyptian slave masters. And this is what is uh, spelled out by David in a Pasuk in Tehillim. The tribes of Ko, of yud of Hashem, it is a testimony to Yisrael. Meaning, Hashem Hazeh Me'id Aleihem L'Shiftehem. This name of Yud and He, one of God's names, testifies upon them that they are in fact members of their tribes, patrilineally. Patrilineally. L'fichach, therefore, V'chulam Kasav, by all of them, it's written, Hachanechi Hapalui. By the name of each of the families, you have a He at the beginning and a Yud at the end. Literal translation, Hachanoichi, the Chanochite family. But why is it written specifically in this way? In order that the Yud and the He should become part of their name. That's how Rashi explains this unusual phrasing that was used in this census. Now, this has nothing to do with inheritance. The Ramban said that the reason that the families were counted and identified, the family of Hanoich, the family of Palu, Ranban explained 
that this tell, is telling us a law about the inheritance of the land of Israel? According to Rashi, no, that is not the point. It's telling us the praise of these people. In other words, it is emphasizing their chiba. It is giving us a reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves them so much. He loves them so much because they are directly descended from the Shvatim, who are directly descended from Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And their lineage is pure. So this is, here we see that Rashi's purpose for the, for the census follows through, and Rashi uses it to explain an unusual factor in this census. Another unusual factor in this census is the mention of several women. In general, the census only counts the men, but we do find the mention of several very important women. We will focus on one of them. In Perak Chavav, Pasuk Mem Memdalit, we read as follows. B'nei Asher, the children of the tribe of Asher, according to their families, Yimna, the family of Yimna, the Yishvi, to Yishvi, Mishpachasa Yishvi, the Yishvi family, Livrio, Mishpachasa Brii, to Bria, the family of the Brii, Livne Vrio, to the children of Bria, etc. Vishem Basasher Sorach, and the name of the daughter of Asher is Sorach. So here the Torah is mentioning a woman, the daughter of Asher. Sorach. Ranban here again explains that this has something to do with the inheritance of the land of Israel. And he says that this Sorach was what we call a Basyareshis. She was a daughter who inherited her father. Now, according to the Torah's laws, which I will not attempt to explain at this moment, but according to the laws in the Torah, which are stated in the Torah, later in this week's Parsha, according to the laws of the Torah, when a man dies, his property goes to his sons. However, if he has no sons, then it goes to his daughters. So a daughter who inherits her father is called a Basyareshis. Now, we cannot say in simplicity that the daughter of Usher was a Basyareshis, an inheriting daughter, because we see in the Psukim that we just read that Usher had a number of sons, so she would not, her, his daughter would not have inherited. However, the Ranban quotes the Targum Unculus, the Aramaic translation of the Torah, who says as follows, V'shoim bas itas Usher, or at least according to the Ranban's text of the Targum. Serach was not the daughter of Usher. She was the daughter of a wife of Usher. In other words, Usher's sons came from his marriage with one wife, but Serach was actually a daughter born to a woman from some other husband, who, and this woman later married Usher. So she's Shoim Bas Itas Usher. She is the name of the daughter of the wife of Usher, was Sarach. Sarach was his stepdaughter whose uh, 
whose mother had bore her to a different husband, a previous husband. Now, the Ramban says, oh, that explains why she could be a Basyoreshis. It so happens that her biological father had no sons, and so when that man died, she inherited his property. And therefore, says the Ramban, that's why this woman, Sarach, is being mentioned over here. Again, Ranban is following his approach to this whole parsha, that the purpose of this whole census is to establish who is going to receive portions of land in Eretz Yisrael. And since there were here and there some women who did inherit the land because their fathers had no sons, so therefore such women are mentioned. Of course, the more famous uh, example of this phenomenon is the daughters of Slavchad. Uh, we will leave that for another time. Rashi, however, explains this pasuk about Serach in a completely different way. First of all, Rashi does not uh, discuss this Targum. Perhaps his text of the Targum was different. Rashi understands that she is literally the daughter of Asher. She was the sister of uh, in Yimna and Yishvi and the other sons of Asher. And Rashi says nothing about her being a Basyoreshis, and in fact, some of the super commentaries in Rashi say that in fact, Rashi would be of the opinion that she did not inherit land in Eretz Yisrael. But Rashi does not discuss this explicitly. What does Rashi say about this Pasuk? Why is Serach, the daughter of Asher, mentioned? Says Rashi, because she was still living at that time, therefore the Torah lists her and counts her here. What does he mean? We know from Parshas Vayigash, from Sefer Bracious, that Serach was among the Bnei Yisrael who originally went down to Egypt in the days of Yaakov and Yosef. We know that Klai Yisrael stayed in Egypt for a total of 210 years. So she had to be, from the time, even if she had gone down to Egypt as an infant, uh, by the time Klai Yisrael left Egypt, she had to be 210 years old. We also know that this census that we have been discussing took place in the 40th year of the travels in the desert. So... This woman, Serach, had to be, at this point, at least 250 years old. So, according to Rashi, she's being mentioned because this is a wondrous occurrence, a wondrous phenomenon, that she is still alive. And I think that this follows Rashi's shita, Rashi's uh, approach to this whole parsha. That what is the purpose of this census? It is a way of a Kaddish Baruch Hu to express his love for Klai Yisrael. And this woman, although women here generally were not counted, they were generally as, uh, considered to be absorbed within the general count of the men. There would be approximately an equal amount of women uh, in, a, in accordance with the number of men. But here, because she is such a beloved figure, she must have been such a righteous person to have been allowed to live for so many years. So, because of her, the belovedness, because of how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu must have loved her, so therefore she is listed here also. Again, we see that Rashi and Ranban, each one 
follows his own approach to this parsha. Finally, let's take a look at one item in this census, which Rashi comments on, Ramban does not discuss at all. In Perik Chavvav, Pasig Lamed Vav, we read about the, the Shevet of Ephraim and the various Mishpachis which made up that family. And Rashi here gives a sort of a general comment about this whole census. Why he is saying it exactly here uh, could be perhaps the subject of another Shear. But this is where Rashi says it. He says, Sevechashoiv, go out and make a calculation, the Timsa Beparsha Zoi, and you will find in this Parsha, Chamishim Vesheva Mishbachis. You will find that there are 57 different family groups that are counted. Umimne Levi, and from the children of Levi, who are counted a little bit later in the Parsha, Shmaina. There are eight families. So Harei, Shishim Vechamesh. So all in total, there are 65 family groups within Klai Yisrael. Okay, what is the significance? Says Rashi. This is what it says in a Pasuk in Dvorim. You, Klai Yisrael, you are Hama'at. You are the smallest of all nations in the world. So Rashi tells us here a drasha, a homiletical interpretation. Hey Ma'at. Ha Ma'at. We have the letter Hey, and then the word Ma'at. Smallest. Chamesh atem chaserim mimishpachos kol The letter He in gematria is five. So ha ma'at, you are five less than the number of families of all the nations. Shehein shivim. The number of nations in the world is always counted by our Chazal as shivim umais. There are seventy primary nations. If you go looking for them today, you wouldn't find them. The Gemara says that in the days of Sancheriv, during the time of the first base of Mikdash, Sancheriv conquered big portions of the world, and he moved different people to different places, and they began to intermarry and lose their original identity. But Chazal say there were originally 70 Umois. Really, the Torah says so in Parshas Noyach. And we, Klal Yisrael, are hey ma'at. We are just five short. The nations of the world are 70. We are a conglomeration of 65 families. Okay, a very interesting little mathematical point that Rashi makes. What's, what's the idea? So the super commentary, Maskil the David, explains that this is coming to give us a remez, a hint that there are nations amongst the 70, none of them will ever have shlita, they will never have control, they will never be able to subjugate Klai Yisrael, except for five of them. What are the five nations that will, unfortunately, have the abilities to subjugate us and to prevent us at times from serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the fullest? They are Mitzrayim, Egypt, and then you have Bavel, the Babylonians. Of course, we were in exile in Babylon after the first Besamekdash was destroyed. Number three is Yavon, the Greeks, who conquered Eretz Yisrael. We have Prasomadai. We have Persia and Media. 
That's the, uh, we were in Golos in Persia, that's the story of Purim, of Esther. The Edaim, and Edaim is uh, related, is always uh, connected to the Roman Empire and to, in general, the, the Western European dominance of the world, under whose subjugation we are still living. So the Maskele David is saying that this Pusik, this Drasha that Rashi is telling us, is coming to tell us that yes, there are 70 nations, but really we are only less than them, we are only smaller than, than them and weaker than them by five. There are five of them that can beat up on us, beat up on us a little bit, but all the others not. Now, this fits in very well with Rashi's general approach to this whole census. The whole census is coming to tell us the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for Klal Yisrael. It testifies to the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had for each individual. It testifies to the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had for each family. As Rashi says, each family has Hashem's name built into its name. And according to the Maskele de David, it is also testifying to the love and the special status that Klal Yisrael has amongst all the other nations. That we are impervious, so to speak, to their attempts to control us and to dominate us, except for five of them, and even that, Be'ezras Hashem, speedily in our days, we will break free of their bonds when the Mashiach comes speedily in our days. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.